everyone. This is a little special edition to Run This World podcast. I decided since it's Mother's Day, I would chime in with an abbreviated episode and share some thoughts with you on what being a mom means to me. So I'm celebrating my fifth Mother's Day. For my first 38 years of my life, I never thought I would celebrate a Mother's Day because I didn't think I wanted to have kids. I'm not sure why. I just, it wasn't part of my life. I swear, every time Tim and I were asked about whether we were going to have kids, there were like screaming, crying kids having tantrums around every corner. And there were always so many boogers. Like, We were self-centered, somewhat self-absorbed professional athletes who were traveling the world and working out all day, every day. We could not afford to get sick. So sharing food, sharing drinks, and encountering any kind of booger, cough, or sneeze was not something that we wanted to be surrounded by. So of course... Kids were not going to happen. But at some point, I retired from racing. I started skirt sports and I started moving on. And while fitness is still a huge part of my life, it wasn't what I did all day, every day. And I started to realize that there could be more to life than what we'd been going through, you know, in our previous chapters. Now, Tim and I had already been married for 15 years before we had the aha moment sort of changed our our life and opened up a new chapter. Um, so here's what happened. We, we used to, at the end of the day, eat a big dinner and generally sit around on the couch and watch a movie or watch shows. And I remember doing this, you know, time and again, unless I had an event or something going on at night. It was like, let's sit around on the couch, watch TV, and go to bed. And we were one night watching a movie. It starred Maya Rudolph and John Krasinski, and I should know the name of it because it had a big, profound effect on the next chapter of my life. Um, basically, Maya Rudolph was pregnant. She was like six months pregnant, but she looked like she was going to have a baby any day. And it was, there was a very funny scene when she was trying to board a plane and they were like, no way you're not getting on this plane. She's like, I'm six months pregnant. And they were like, hell no, you're not. So anyway, they, uh, they rented a car and did this road trip. Um, and they visited friends who were from the outside seemingly happy. Uh, the friends were maybe in their mid forties and had adopted many children from, it looked like all over the world, maybe four or five kids were running around and their life was full of love and energy. But when they all went out as adults and were able to connect on a different level, they realized that there was this underlying sadness. And the truth was they always wanted to have their own children, but they actually didn't get started until it was too late. And um, I think maybe they were 40 or something when they really wanted to get started. And at that time, we were watching the movie, and I was 38 years old, and Tim was 39. 
And I remember looking at him and saying, is this it? Really? Do we really not want to do this? Is this all there is for this next stage of our life? Will we just sit on the couch every night until we're 80 or 90 or whenever we're gone? And I, I just thought, you know, I think there's going to be more. I want more in my life. I think I want to have a kid. And it was definitely a wake-up moment. And it's also a make-or-break moment for a lot of couples because I think often you go into a marriage, especially when you're really young like me and Tim, and you change at some point throughout the marriage. And, you know, a lot of couples don't make it. And Tim and I almost didn't make it multiple times, you know. But if we weren't both on the same page with this issue, it probably would have been a break because if I really decided I wanted a kid and Tim didn't want a kid, then here's the problem. We have a kid and Tim's resentful. Yeah, maybe he would have come around. Or we don't have a kid and I'm resentful. And uh, I think it can tear couples apart. But fortunately, Tim had also matured (laughs) to a certain point and was not living in so much of a self you know, centered world as we used to. And he also, his eyes were opened and he said, you know what? I think it's time. So we, uh, we decided to go ahead and give it a try. So we were lucky. Um, actually we were on our sixth month of trying. And if we didn't get pregnant, we were probably going to go just get checked out, make sure we were okay. I mean, Tim been riding a bike for, you know, many 20 plus years and, who knows uh, with me. So, uh, so we were ready to at least go get checked out and see what, what we were capable of when we got pregnant. Isn't that fun? That's just kind of how it happens. And, uh, at 39 years old, I was pregnant with my first kid and it was awesome. It was the most amazing, I think looking back, one of the most amazing times in my life because it was this new time of exploration physically, for sure. That was a big part of it for me. You know, I'm an athlete and I was a professional athlete. And so exploring what my body was capable of was huge for me. And talk about huge. I was also one of those people who at six months, I remember walking on the pool deck and this guy goes, wow, you're about ready to pop any time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, in December, it was like August. <laughs> anyway, um, it was amazing. You know, I remember writing this article about how pregnant women are basically superheroes because we gained so much through um, the, the process that our body has to go through in order to get ready to have birth. Like we gained five pounds of blood. That's like getting EPO injections every day. Our blood vessels open up so oxygen can flow through more easily. Um, we get the most beautiful nails and hair. I remember just like drumming my nails. Hear that? Yeah. They're kind of drumming now. They don't grow nearly as fast anymore. Oh, I have this condition um, where I lose all the circulation in my fingers, Raynaud syndrome. And I get it all the time. But when I was pregnant, it went away. And it actually stayed away for like two years when I was nursing and beyond. But eventually it came back. I could get pregnant again, maybe just to make it go away, but there you go. So like your body is just doing these incredible things and you really don't have any control over it. I also remember being like, what is going on with my 
arms, they do not look the same. Why are my arms changing? Like I'm pregnant. It's, it should be centered around like my belly. And at least I could understand if my butt and thighs got bigger, but why do my arms look like cotton balls, you know? And I remember asking my friend, should I just do like more curls? What should I be doing? And she just laughed. She was like, no, you can do nothing. Like this is how your body is pregnant. Um, And one of the things that I learned through this process of getting pregnant is that you have to give up control. And control is just one of those things that continues to come up as you have a kid and and you try to help your child grow and evolve, you realize more and more that you really control very little. <laughs> um, our, it was funny, speaking of control, my birth story is really hilarious. I, uh, first of all, I was two weeks late. I had decided being a bolder, you know, a proud bolder woman that I would have a natural birth, which meant, you know, not have a C-section or anything like that, no surgery. And then um, I was, of course, not going to have any kind of drugs. I'd be able to tough this out, you know, as a pro athlete. Um, I probably had some pretty high pain tolerance. And anyway, I ended up, I ended up being... Oh, and I didn't have um, an OB-GYN. I had a midwife. And I wasn't going to do a home birth. I was going to go in because I was old. And they call you advanced maternal age when you're 39 years old. So no problem there. I just wanted to do it as naturally and freely as I could. So, you know, I hit my due date, which was December, I think it was December 17th. And I, uh, and there was nothing, like no movement, nothing. Every day went by. I mean, I was doing everything you could do. Literally, they'd be like, pinch your nipples. I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, I would I would just sit there like, do it for an hour. I mean, seriously, an hour of nipple, nipple pinching. Okay, that is truly a thing that's supposed to bring on contractions. <laughs> and there are many other things too. And I mean, I tried everything, but you know, my baby wasn't coming. So we were 13 days late. And they finally took another ultrasound and said, you need to come in because your fluids are getting low. So I went into the hospital and everything went the exact opposite way than I thought it should, or I wanted it to. Every single thing from the balloon that they literally put in you to open your cervix overnight, like they ran out of them. It was the day before New Year's Eve. They didn't even have them. So like everything was just wrong from the beginning. They had to break my water. I was actually going to save. You will die when you hear this and you're going to have to Google placentas and like use of placenta after birth for the mother. But there's this whole philosophy that the placenta is full of all these incredible nutrients. So people will take their placenta and do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. Some people actually like bury it in their backyard. Um, That must be more spiritual. I wasn't going to do that. But I was going to have this woman in Boulder who takes placentas, freezes or dries them out and turns them into pills. And then you take the pill as recovery. When you Google this, you're going to find things that are so much more disgusting. You're going to find things like people cooking their placenta, but I'm not that gross. But, um, what happened is that when, um, 
when they had to actually break my water, my placenta was so old and disgusting that she looked at it and she goes, oh, it's very meconium stained. And Tim and I just looked at each other and we were like, throw that thing away. Like that plan went out the window. Um, the whole thing was just forced. And, you know, by the very end, we uh, I had actually gotten all the way to the final stage of having a baby and was trying to push and my baby wasn't coming out and I could see the concerned look. Oh, and by then, of course, I was totally doped up on drugs because I gave in like fairly early and just was like, give me, give me the, uh, the thing that goes in your back. I forget what it's called right now. And the IV drugs. Like I wasn't thinking straight. I was totally loopy. Um, but my baby's heart rate kept dropping. So they, brought in the ob that I was trying to avoid, wheeled me in, and we had a C-section. And, you know, at the end of the day, all of that is hazy to me, except for the funny parts that I just mentioned. Um, what What's really amazing is that you end up with this this little creature who immediately knows how to breastfeed. I find that completely mind-blowing how does she know how to breastfeed like she's been in a placenta like she doesn't she hasn't been sucking on anything like I don't get it but they immediately know um our little girl two weeks late was six pounds one ounce she was tiny but she was absolutely beautiful and she still is Every day that we would walk around with her, people would literally stop. I remember Tim telling me one time, I'm going to cry, but um, he said that this, uh, this person stopped him in the store one time and said, you take care of that girl because she is special. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, so, so, you know, I had this baby and we have this new life. I turned 40 two months after having Wilder Jet Daboom. And so many things about my life have changed because of her. You know, before I had a kid, work was my baby. I worked 60 to 80 hours a week. I didn't even think about it. I was consumed. I'm still consumed with skirt sports. I mean, it's like my second baby. I love it. I love the happiness and the joy that it brings me in so many ways. But I don't work 60 to 80 hours a week anymore. I work... Um, I work like a normal person, I think, and uh, I make time to be a mom and to to really enjoy this incredible thing that I decided to finally do. And it's funny for younger people who are listening who are like, oh, I'm never having a kid. I really like my flexibility of my life and I like to travel around the world and I want to do this, that, and whatever. I mean, I said the same thing and you may never change your mind, but my advice is just don't do anything permanent <laughs> because you might change your mind and just be open to that possibility. You know, there's a few things that have just brought me to tears. Many things have brought me to tears over the years with Wilder, but I want to share a couple of them with you. One of them is, so a little background. I grew up swimming. I was a swimmer. Um, my I feel very much like water is home for me. I'm very comfortable in it. And what's really funny is I didn't 
realize until I was pregnant and swimming was the main activity I could do every day, I didn't realize that it's actually quiet under the water. I just, I don't know why. I just didn't, I wasn't ready for that. That wasn't what swimming was to me when I was young, but I realized it when I was pregnant and I swam with Wilder almost every day, especially towards the end. But um, the first time that I saw Wilder float in our bathtub, and it wasn't a float so much as put her whole head underwater, meaning her ears. Her little eyes and her nose and her mouth were above water. What's really funny is she doesn't want to put her face underwater, and Tim and I were both competitive (laughs) swimmers growing up. That'll come. But um, the first time I, I watched her do that, I just started crying because I saw a look come over her face when her ears went underwater, and I, I could tell that she understood and felt the natural, a natural connection to the water. And to me, that's a gift. So I watched that and I cried. I'm going to cry a lot today, aren't I? You know, being a mom is about crying a little bit because you give a lot of yourself here. Um, there are things that Wilder does daily that make me laugh. One is speech development. I mean, she went from not talking at all and being really shy to not shutting up. And here's here's a funny thing is I realized how much they absorb, but you don't realize how, how much they absorb from what you say until they say something kind of shocking, right? So there was this one day when I was just walking around the house and I randomly banged my toe really hard into our couch and later found out that it had been broken because it showed like that it had broke at that time. Um, So of course I screamed, fuck, as loud as I could. And then I just started screaming, fuck, 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 fuck. I know this is a PG show, but this is how it goes. I was screaming it and jumping around because it hurt so fucking bad. Um, I almost threw up and then I realized I probably broke the thing. And then eventually, you know, I started settling down and it went into a throb. Well, my kid had been there. I just didn't really realize she was there. And Tim and I are kind of potty mouse and, you know, we just hadn't had to censor ourselves. So it was only a few days later when she was in the back seat of the car and she was probably about three, three and a half and she was fumbling with her car seat uh, buckle and I literally heard her say, fuck it, and I turned around and part of me was like shocked and then like just freaking hysterical. I couldn't stop laughing. And I I had to say, did you say bucket? So the point is, kids pick stuff up. We know they pick stuff up, but it's not until they swear in public for the first time. And that was fortunately in the car, but she's done it in public as well. Um, She now knows that that's a word that we don't say. (laughs) But uh, you can't help but laugh when they do that goofy, silly stuff. And you know... It comes down to there's big things and there's small things. And the big things are huge and you usually somehow find a way to take a photo or take a video and memorialize them forever. Like she's riding a bike, she's swimming, she's rock climbing, she's saying, you know, this song, she's learned something new, she's made her first pottery, you know, whatever it is. But it's the little things that create these memories that just 
they're just moments that you can tap into for life, I think. And she created one last night with Tim. Um, she's been watching this movie we get from the library. It is called The Book of Life. And it's this kind of funny, weird movie for kids. And there's a song in it that you guys know. And it it's the song that says, um, I'm a, oh God, I'm a freak. She just sings it. She sings it slowly. I'm a, what the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. And so Tim put that song on and he just held her and he said, let's dance. And I watched her face and I watched how she looked at Tim with so much love. And I watched her put her head on his shoulder and I watched her step back and look in his eyes and I watched her give him a kiss. And I saw this, just this tenderness and how much love there is and how much connection there is between the two of them. And those are the moments that I realized we've, we've created something beautiful. And you know, I will be honest, she tells me daily how much she loves her daddy more than she loves her mommy. In fact, last night I said, oh yeah, and you love your mommy more than your daddy. And she goes, oh no, no, I love my daddy more than I love you. Um, I love you infinity plus infinity, but I love him infinity plus infinity plus infinity plus infinity plus infinity. And I was like, okay, thanks, no problem. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because that's just how kids are. They don't, they speak their mind and they're full of love and they are trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. And it's our job to guide them through this incredible, crazy path. You know, this podcast is for me because I want to be inspired. And so I interview people who are so inspiring, but it's not just for me, it's for my daughter and it's for our kids so that the more inspired we can be and the better we can be and the more we can tap into the things that are going to make this world a better place, the more our kids are going are gonna to find that same energy and the more our kids are going to sponge off of us. And so today on Mother's Day, I leave you with this. Enjoy your life. Be the best self you can be. And never forget that little eyes and little ears are always on you. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>